Okay. Now, thank you, Sam. The reason I've got three tubs here this morning is to help us illustrate that passage that Ali just read for us and to help us think practically with the food and toy drive as our illustration to kind of think about what it means to walk that narrow path, to go through that narrow gate that Jesus uh, was talking about last week. You might remember that Jesus said that finding the narrow gate was actually very, very hard. And so in the passage from today, he wants to make sure that we know what the narrow gate does not look like. Uh, And it's not always easy to tell the difference between the narrow gate and the wide gate. So these three tubs are going to hopefully help us think about what it means to truly follow Jesus along that narrow path. Well, in verses 15 to 20... Uh, Jesus speaks about false prophets and he says there uh, that you need to be on guard against them because they come to you in sheep's clothes but inwardly are ravaging wolves. They are wolves in sheep's clothing, Jesus says. He came up with that saying, if you've heard it before, it's a, a Jesus trademark. What he means is that their message on the outside seems safe and fluffy and comfortable and harmless but it is actually incredibly dangerous for you on the inside. What exactly is their message? Well, the message of these false prophets, these wolves in sheep's clothing, is essentially, you're sweet. Everything is good. Don't change a thing. It's a a false sense of security. It's the, yeah, nah, my family's Anglican or Catholic or Presbyterian or whatever. Or it's the, yeah, nah, I did heaps of religion at school. I know what it's all about. It's just good values and that. But Jesus is saying that when you actually look at what is produced by that yeah-nah attitude, well, it's this. It's an empty tub. It's the yeah-nah, nothing is actually there. From a distance, it might look good. If you walk into the library and you see all those tubs, you might think, oh, cool, there'll be stuff in there. But when you get up closely, it's different. What that might look like in your life is that you obviously steer clear from the really obviously bad stuff. You're not racist, you're not sexist, you're not violent, etc., Of course, there's nothing wrong with living like that. But does it actually change your life? The language that Jesus uses in this passage is, where is the fruit? He says, where is the evidence of following him in your life? He says in verse 16, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Now, in first century Palestine, uh, there were two plants, the buckthorn and the thistle flower. And the buckthorn there on the left, it had these little black berries that you can see there. And from a distance, you could mistake them for grapes. And there was also this thistle bush, that was the best one I could find that was kind of as close to it as it could be, where the leaf on that thistle bush, from a distance, looks like a fig. Uh, But of course, if you went to the buckthorn and you plucked those berries and you tried to make uh, wine with them, well, then you would know that you did not have grapes. And so too, if you bit into that thistle flower, you would know that you were not eating a fig. You would have been deceived, Jesus says. And that false teaching is like that. It deceives you. It doesn't actually produce any fruit. And so Jesus says from verse 17, in the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. And every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognise them by their fruit. Now, under the hood in the original Greek, the word for produce there is actually the same as do. So you will know whether someone is really teaching you how to follow Jesus by what they 
do? Do they do the will of the Father, as Jesus goes on to say uh, in this passage, or do their lives look no different from what everyone else does? Do they bear fruit in their lives, or are they that, that thistle bush, that empty tub? You recognise them by their fruit. And so when an event like a food and toy drive rolls around, the tub is empty because in their mind it's the, yeah, nah, I've already done enough good stuff. I've given to charity before. It's all good. And so there's no fruit of following Jesus in their life. But what if someone really looks like they are bearing fruit for Jesus? What if they seem super religious, doing heaps? It looks impressive even, perhaps. Well, Jesus says we need to carefully watch that too. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Now, these people seemed outwardly to present as, you know, on fire for serving Jesus, very, very generous. They're prophesying in Jesus' name, they're driving out demons, they're performing miracles, they're kind of a big deal on the religious scene. And if they were giving to the food and toy drive, their tub would look like this. Very impressive, lots of lavish-looking goodies. There's, we've got fancy Ferrero shares, we've got big Kinder surprise chocolate, we've got lots of lollies, uh, we've got toys, we've got books, remote literacy, uh, we've even got quality street chocolates, and of course, they've decked the tub out in shiny tinsel bling. That says it all, doesn't it? They've gone all out, it seems, in Jesus' name. Or have they? See, the empty tubbers, they were deceived by other people telling them that they can just chill. Don't worry, you've done enough good stuff. But the flash full tubbers here, well, they're not being deceived by other people, they're actually deceiving themselves. Notice how Jesus repeats on the screen there the phrase, they're always saying, Lord, Lord. It's this loud, showy, over-the-top kind of talking themselves into thinking that they're impressing God. But despite how often they say Jesus' name, Jesus says, I never knew you. They weren't known by Jesus because they were only using his name for their own gain, not to serve Jesus. Now, I've got to say, this, is a pa- this passage is a real temptation for a guy like me. I'm a professional follower of Jesus. I claim the name of Jesus, and it's how my bills are paid as chaplain. I teach you guys each and every day about Jesus, day in, day out, but I've got to check my conscience all the time that I'm not just doing it for the cash or falling into the habit of just trotting out the flashy words, Lord, Lord, uh, or the good deeds like this food and toy drive to convince myself and to convince you that Jesus is pleased with me. Jesus says no. That kind of self-serving spirituality makes you a lawbreaker, is the word he uses. What's the law he's talking about? Well, it's the Sermon on the Mount. It's the law of the upside-down kingdom. It's the law of loving your enemies, of showing mercy, being the salt of the earth, that light on a hill. It's not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing when you're doing good deeds. It's doing the will of our Father in heaven here on earth. But if we are announcing our donations with trumpets, remember earlier in the year how Jesus talked about those who do that? They would come to the temple with the loud bronze funnels and tip in all their coins. It would 
make that really impressive sound and people would be uh, amazed at their generosity. Or maybe it's just me doing what I hear some of you guys say I should do in chapel, which is just, just tell us about the nice, cosy, warm, fuzzy stuff about God. None of this uh, stuff that's hard and uh, maybe a little bit dark. If we just did that, then we're deceiving ourselves. Our good deeds are just a flashy once-a-year show. It's the pointing out to everyone as you walk through the library that I put this, in, I put that in that tub. Look what I gave. So what's the right answer? The empty tubbers, the flash tubbers don't work. What's the right answer? Well, I've got one more tub. This is the one where I think you can help us find the narrow gate. Are we supposed to put heaps of stuff in the tubs? Yeah, of course we should. Uh, but it can't just be this once-a-year flashy event. Our lives need to be tubs like this orange one here because in this tub, I've just put in fruit, tin fruit. Uh, and it's fruit from all seasons. I've got apples and I've got pears and I've got peach slices. I have uh, fruit from the autumn and winter months. I have fruit from the spring and summer months. It's not flashy. It's not showy. But it's humble. It's consistent. It's enduring and it's nourishing. It is not just entering the narrow gate, but faithfully walking that path each and every day through all seasons of life. Entering the kingdom of heaven through the narrow gate and down the narrow path into life, that means that there will be fruit produced in our lives, Jesus says. Consistent, sustaining, life-giving fruit that's going to satisfy the hunger the poverty, the suffering of those who we pass as we walk along that narrow path all of our lives. We'll produce fruit that will show that there is a gardener at work in our hearts, one who is cultivating our hearts to do the will of our Heavenly Father in Jesus' name. It's fruit that's going to bloom because our lives are rooted in the soil of God's grace. It's fruit that blooms because Christ's enduring sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection life and the Spirit's fertilising power of faithfulness he keeps us walking on that narrow path. It's fruit that's not just for Christmas Day. It's fruit that is for every day. Fruit that will, on that last day, be the evidence of faith that Jesus says leads to obedience and leads us into the kingdom of heaven. And I pray that each and every one of us will bear this kind of fruit in our lives.